Multi-million cash, the feeling's amazing Got a Porsche inside my stable, don't horse me, baby 20 plus in my field, I'm like Coke with the Lakers It's like I'm touring the Sprinter, doing these road trips Three days, close for more M's, I stay on it When you step on the premise, just know I own this Collaborate inside of my district, it's for the owners They call doing the pun, it's the true one-on-one How I keep up business, you just might learn you son I been a girl dad, now you my only son Put on for the fam and the five, my folks don't owe me none They call doing the pun, it's the true one-on-one How I keep up business, you just might learn you son I been a girl dad, now you my only son Put on for the fam and the five, my folks don't owe me none All right, we're back. We're back at the Collab District Podcast. This is episode seven. I got a, another special guest with me, another Oxnard High alum, founder of Mercy Clothing, and one-third of the organic flea market. I got Mr. Delon Frazier on the show. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, hey, man. Thank you for having me, man. It's a, it's a pleasure being here. I've known and been watching you from afar for a while. We have, we've had a lot of mutual friends. I know Sam and Dee have been trying to get us together for a while. Yeah. But I'm curious to know more about your roots and, you know, a little bit about where you grew up and what it's like for you and your upbringing and how it influenced your journey. Man, born and raised in Oxnard, California. I moved around a lot in the city of Oxnard, but I spent most of my time on the south side of Oxnard. Single parent home. I'm the oldest of five siblings, so, you know, my mom kind of just instilled just the, the typical, you know, hard work. You know, she she was grinding day in, day out, so, you know, I, I caught that firsthand, and, you know, being the oldest sibling, you know, I wanted to emulate that as best I could. You know, I didn't really understand it then, but, like, it kind of took shape now, and, uh, yeah, upbringing was good, man. Super competitive background, you know, I played sports growing up, and uh, skateboarded, and, you know, yeah, did what sports night. did you play growing up? I played. You said sports. Yeah, what sports did you play? Growing I up? played. I played basketball and football. Okay. And uh, my mom wasn't going for the football thing. <laughs> I mean, I looked like you know. I yeah, played. I was gonna say. It looked like you played. You know, your physique is like you played football. Right, right. And it's funny, man. Miles wasn't going for it. She wasn't going for it, man. She was like, "No way!" Like, my baby's not gonna go out there and get hurt. And this and the third, I'm like, "Man, why? Well, it is what it is." So I had to hang that up, and then started playing basketball and I just started picking up on it kind of quick. Mm-hmm. All my friends were have been were playing longer than I had. I was playing football more so. So it was like kind of a catch up game for me, but uh, you know, it gave me something to like to lock in on and try to, you know, to and work at, you know, day in and day out to so try to catch up with the game. So that didn't uh, keep you out of trouble, right? Exactly. There's a lot man. of temptation, you know. I predominantly I was born in the south, but I you know, I grew up in Oxnard like you, right. a lot of the same history, single parent household. Yep. So I can definitely relate to that. I think, you know, watching my mom like you, that's where I get my work ethic from, where it's like you have those days where you don't want to do nothing, but you remember when mom's was like, man, she was putting in 60 hours a week overtime working. It's like, so I can definitely relate to that work ethic, yep. as well as growing up in the area, playing basketball, playing sports with your friends. They build lasting relationships. and. You know, you and I went to the same high school. Did you play for Lobo or did you play for Stanley and Oxnard? I played for Stanley. So okay. the year that I played made varsity, Lobo took off the year right before that. So his last season, I came in as a junior and his my sophomore year was his last year coaching. Oh, so okay. I had just missed him. Yeah, yeah. I played for Lobo for three years out there in 2002. But, I mean, you held the record out there 
for the school for a while. I had the assist record for a while. I don't know if I still have it. Uh-huh. But uh, tell me a little bit about your game. Were you a jacker? You used to put them up? Man. three-point record at Oxford High School? You know what? I, I wasn't much of, much of a jacker, but uh, I just, I, it was just something that really, you know, attributed my game. You know, I was, I played point. I was pretty fast with the ball. So it was easy for me to blow by people and get to the rim. So I would get, they would sag off me a lot. So I just started developing a jump shot from there. And I was like, so all I got to do is just get in the gym and get some shots up. And, you know, it's easy. Like, it took me from averaging, like, nine points a game to 20 just from knocking down a couple threes. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man. And then it just brought my game full circle. So I was able to do, you know, A through Z. You know, I had post-up plays and all nine. Total package. Yeah, man. So me and uh, And Stanley would let you rock? Man, he gave me the ultra green light, Ooh, man. Ultra green. As long as I was <laughs> getting back playing defense, he was like, bro, do your thing. So nice. it was cool. And, you know, my teammates were all okay with it, too. You know, I, I wasn't a hot dog. You know, I would definitely share the ball and stuff, yeah. too. But but you knew your role. There's a score. Exactly. It was like, okay, bro, go get a bucket. You know, when I needed to get one, I'll go get one. So so talk about some of those, like, me growing up playing Oxford High School with all with a lot of my friends. We, we have these lasting relationships, right, that yeah. – that I still have to today, and even with you know some of my coaches growing up, how have some of those relationships shaped you, and do you still have some of those relationships and those people in your life today? Man, all of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and that's like I feel like is the most beautiful thing about sports is like all the life lessons and you know the relationships you make playing. You yeah. know what I mean? You you literally you're they go from friends and. You know, people you've never even talked to, to your best friends, your brothers, your family, you know what I'm saying, in a matter of a season, you know? So I keep in touch with pretty much everybody still. Yeah, yeah. Everyone that I'm able to, you know, it's on social media or has the same phone number or whatever. Like, if I could contact them, you know, I definitely do still tap in. And, yeah, it's it's awesome, man. It's it's cool to, like, know that I finished school, high school in 2010 and I'm – about to be 31 and okay i'm still keeping in touch with all these guys and we still have that bond like i'm saying way i'll be i'll be 40 this year and i still have those relationships from 20 years ago you know 30 years ago with some of some of the guys and you know they're coaching or you know they're cops or whatever but we seem to try to keep in contact or we or they're just in you know my immediate circle now right and uh, it's just it's just a beautiful thing to see you, them then grow up, have families, or you know, just grow up and be adults. And the things that you knew that you learned between the lines have carried on to afterlife. Because I always say that sport teaches you so much about life, right? About how to play a team, whether you're, especially if you're a leader on a team, we're usually point guards or leaders. So I've learned so much from sport, yeah. and I see all mm-hmm. of us applying that to our day-to-day lives that we learn from each other or from our coaches. And like I said, it's just a it's just a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And that plan at Oxnard led you to playing at Concordia University. Yes, sir. What was that experience like playing in college? I had always, you know, I went to Ventura College, always wanted to go to the next level, but you know, my journey didn't 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 have that in my my path. But how, what was that like playing on the on the collegiate level? It was it, it was a man, it's in the, in the grand scheme of things, it was awesome, man. You know, coming because my freshman year of high school, I played freshman basketball, played on freshman team. Sophomore year, I was ineligible. 
And, you know, that kind of put a fire under me to get things going. So junior, senior year were like my first two years of real basketball. And then to be able to land a, a full scholarship out of that, wow. you know, it, it, it was, it put things into perspective for me. Like, you know, like what work ethic does for you and what, uh, you know, just locking in and having a goal really does for you. And uh, yeah, man, I got a full ride out there. And how did that make your mom feel? Man, I'm like the first one to like, so she was, I didn't even have a cell phone at the time. So <laughs> my buddy that was my, my, my best friend, my boy Jackson, I stayed with his family during high school and I would use all my, all the coaches would hit his phone. So his phone was getting blown up. He's like, hey, this is Xavier. Oh, UCSB. Oh, UTEP. Oh, hey, so-so. You know, so it was, and then my mom kind of being a part of that and experiencing it too. It was like her first time seeing something like, like this. That, yeah. Being like, wow, like my son is actually like, Wanted, yeah, it really wanted, like you know, really good, and, yeah. yeah. His work ethic, or his hard work, is paying off. So, it was both of our first time seeing something like this. So, you know, it was it was very fresh and new. And but the process was awesome, man. The transition was super easy. Stalin was a big help, you know, and, and you know, getting me enrolled and all that, and taking me down there on visits and everything. So, it was it was amazing out there, though. The the, the level of basketball, man. I came in at 17 years old, so I'm playing against you know so you're young, yeah. young, yeah. So I'm playing against 23 year old grown men. You know what I'm saying? It's who different. Been playing, you know. So I'm coming. I'm coming off averaging 20 points a game. You know, I played in like all these different you know, like summer circuits. So yeah. I came in like thinking I was about to like shut stuff down and you know humble. go to work. And man, yeah, I, got, I got humbled quick, man, <laughs> real quick. Like I've never been picked up full court before in my life. And, yeah. You were, they weren't doing that. You blow by people. Exactly. College, man, man, I was get back there again. Our point guard at the time, he was a, a little pit bull, man, picking me up full court, ripping me back court. I'm like, bro, what is, yeah. what, what, what is going on, bro? Different speed. You had to adjust, right? Man, you had, had to adjust. Get back in the, get back in the lab, get back in the gym. Exactly. And, and put more work in, right? Exactly. So yeah, that was the name of the game, and then it started to transfer, and then like, you know, I started everything just starts like make more sense and. They put me at two guard, and that's where I started to excel. I was just coming off screens and just shooting threes, and if the three wasn't open, back door throw me a lob or something. If that wasn't open, I would come back off another screen and shoot. So I was I had a green light in college too. Wow, that's so it was cool, man. Thing. It worked and out. And your top five at Concordia three pointers made, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually number five in career threes made there. That's awesome. Yeah, to be in the record books. And did you get a chance to graduate from school? I did. Yeah. What was that experience like? Graduating from college, coming from where, coming from you know, just that journey you said from Oxnard to single parent household of five. You know, playing basketball to being ineligible, you right? Know, and then, you know, to getting a full scholarship to to then graduating college. I mean, that had to be an amazing accomplishment for Man. yourself and your family. One hundred percent. It was such a blessing, and it, it was just a you know, it's a mirror image of you know your efforts and you know your choices. You know, that's what's going to shape your life. So, you know, I, I just chose to start focusing and locking in, and you know, trying to do things the right way and. Mm -hmm. I started to reap the benefits from it and it, it was it was amazing and it, like i said it kind of just gave me this understanding that like you know anything is possible you know no matter where you come from like yeah. you know no matter how things go or how your life has been you know as long as you're alive there's time you know what i mean so yeah. you just keep grinding keep chipping away and keep having faith exactly because i always say hard work pays off 100 percent of the time you can only withdraw what you deposit right right so you know that you're a testament of, of that hard work what'd you ma major in business marketing business marketing yeah and take me to the time now you started mercy clothing company did did your college help you with starting mercy clothing or is that was just something that was in you that 
just came out, you know, as as, as your as your artist? It it just came out. It was actually a mercy. It was it's me and my boy Jackson. We started it okay. before I went to college. We started it in like uh, originally. I think we came with the idea of it in like 2012. So it started with just an idea. It was just an idea, and then he had got some T-shirts made with like this one logo. He he mocked up, and like he was doing all the footwork originally and uh, to get it going and everything i was at school so when you say footwork because i always try to bring the audience of like how you know because i do these podcasts and hope to inspire help someone like oh i can do it too right yeah, yeah. so when you say footwork what does that mean when you say footwork when you're talking about starting a clothing brand because you have a clothing brand but then you have brands that are just print merch right right and i think Two different, things. two different things, right? Definitely. So can you talk about a little bit of that footwork that, that it takes to start up? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, to start, you know, you're kind of, you're building a brand. So you're building like an image and, and things that are like relatable to what you got going. So you want your brand and your, the image you're portraying to be like, to coincide with each other. You Correct. want it to make sense. You know, it's kind of like storytelling. Mm-hmm. So um, that's like the, the, the first steps to it in a sense. Like that's just kind of to get the groundwork down. And then it's like, okay, then it's like designing, you know, being original, making something that hasn't, I don't want to say hasn't been seen before, but you know, you're not really contributing to the culture if you're just making something that somebody else is doing. Mimicking other you know, stuff, mimicking. right? Yeah. yeah. So you're kind of like, you know, in this realm of like, you know, you're literally a creator. You're, you know, you're, you're a designer at this point. Yeah. And uh, then after that, you know, you get your designs done then like, you got to get with, you got to get blanks in. So like, you know, a lot of people don't have the capital to originally start out and just buy blanks wholesale. Yeah. Like, and just wholesale 10K worth of stuff and boom, 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 get it all banged out, you know? So you're kind of like penny pinching, trying to make the dollar stretch and let me get like a couple runs of these, a couple runs of this, you know? So and then after that, it's like you you got the product in. Now it's like time to sell the product. You know, you gotta do a photo shoot. You gotta get the product out there. You gotta let people see what they're buying. Cause just because you have a you, you put a brand on a t-shirt doesn't mean that it's gonna sell or it's gonna do well or be receptive on the opposite end. You know, yeah, you wanna, yeah, 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 yeah. You want yeah, you got you you gotta do you gotta give what the consumer wants, and you don't know what they exactly. You know, you're following the trends, right? But you don't know until it actually drops. Right. You know because. I have a little bit of experience when I was helping Sam with, you know, with Pundit mm-hmm. and I was involved with that clothing brand. It is every bit of the process that you just explained. And I, you know, I never, you know, I never knew that coming right. from, you know, my background of in, in business, but it's a whole process, you know, and I used to see her, her inspiration behind her, the pieces that she created. Mm. What Where do you find your inspiration behind your pieces? Because you're, you're not just printing sands on stuff. You, your clothing line is, you know, you have an artistic to your clothing line. And where do you find that inspiration from? Man, you and your partner. You know what? I, I, I it's just I want to just say like the culture of like basketball, music. You mm-hmm. know, kind of just like being a '90s baby. That entire upbringing. You know what I mean? I try to like embody all of that. You know, and yeah. and, and dig back into like my roots and where I come from and, you know, the hard times, the good times, you know, it's kind of just bringing everything, you know, that's kind of shaped you, shaped me, you know, and, and try to present it through this medium of clothing, you know, and just, and the sky's the limit, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's hard to do, but it's also super easy because it's like, like when you finally get your pieces done or you bang out this designer, that designer, whatever, and like, it's finally a completed piece of work. You're like, man, like this, I don't know why, why I wasn't doing this a long time ago or, why did it take me so long to get this done, you know? But yeah. 
It's a Within process. That, yeah, that process is like, yeah, it's gut-wrenching, man. And it's like, you know, you, you, you it's like you're walking on eggshells. You don't want to step left. You don't want to step right, you know. But once you just start taking those steps and you just start getting everything, you know, collectively handled, it's like it turns out to be this beautiful project. And, you know, it's just yeah, so to put out. I love how you speak to your quotes like a piece. It's a piece, right? It's yeah. not, you know, it's not merch. It's a piece. To exactly. You, you know, and, and there's a lot of work that, like like we talked about, that goes in, into a piece. And the fashion industry is highly competitive, especially like in the online space. you got the social media space. Yeah. How do you do make your clothing line different from, you know, your competitors? Because I, I try to not really base myself around trying to make a bunch of money or trying to hit a quick lick, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I really care about the art aspect of everything, like making it receptive or, you know, having somebody buy this hoodie or this jacket or this t-shirt and they're like, man, this is this design is crazy. Like, I've, I've never seen it, like, you know, or not even so much about never being seen, but just like the way you put it together, the colors, mm -hmm. the pattern, like, everything is like amazing like i love this you know and then, yeah like i said that jacket when i said i was like man that that jacket is crazy <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> wait till you, that one drop <laughs> but that's where i try to like differentiate and my my boy jackson he's on the same page like we we grew up together i've known him since i was seven years old so we pretty much you guys got each other it, workflow down exactly and it's it's quick and easy phone calls text messages all of our business transactions are super buttery copacetic but uh, yeah. And do you manufacture everything here locally? Mo mostly. So all my printing and, and uh, yeah, the majority of the manufacturing goes on here, but uh, like we have a cut and sew team in China. Okay. That does like a lot of pattern making for us. So like we had just locked in like an, a new a new hoodie pattern, a t-shirt, some shorts, and then we're working on like jackets and denim and you know, the whole nine. So right now we just got those couple base things down. So. And on occasion too, I'll still I'll go through like wholesale like brands and stuff to mm -hmm. get like particular or specific items. Mm -hmm. But uh, my guy Frankie does all my printing in Satakoy, my embroidery guys in El Rio. So I try to keep it all here as well as, as much, much as I possibly can. It's cost will allow, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what's up, man. Like, you you've always been in the local community. I've seen that you just went and talked to St. Bonaventure High School during their basketball camp. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, talk about you know, some of the other things that you do for the community as we lead up to talking about the organic flea market? Oh, man. So, like, for example, uh, being able to speak to St. Bonnie's, uh, you know, the basketball camp, I, just, I feel like it, it was actually Erica's idea. Erica Whitley, she contacted me and one of my boy, uh, Joseph Soto's a professional overseas to come out and talk yeah. to him. But, uh, Jeff Soto? Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's little things like that. Like, although I'm not a coach or I'm not a trainer in, in the realm of basketball no more, I still feel like I have a lot of knowledge to give. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I played a lot of basketball. I played a lot of places at a lot of different levels. And it's cool to be able to give some of that knowledge back because it's something that I wish I had growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wish there was some like some 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 dudes that would drop some knowledge on me. We did have it a little bit with like Charles Dillon and yeah. David Van Summeren and you mm -hmm. know all those older cats who hooped and Sean Ennis and all them. Yeah, Even but D. but it's different because you know everybody doesn't make it to the NBA or D one, right? But it's good to be able to go back and talk to kids. Yeah, you know through sport and say hey. But I've still been successful in, in the game of life, right? Well, like, exactly. You know, everyone doesn't always get to make it to their initial dream of making it to the NBA. But right. that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, enjoy your time, maximize your efforts or where you're at. But then you still can take these values and still be apply and be successful in life. And, yeah. you know, whether it's a work or your entrepreneur or your influencer, you can always use these core values that you've learned 
and these core relationships right. because I'm big on relationships and cultivating relationships. And, you know, I think life's a lot about, you know, your relationships and the relationships you have around you. So 100%. that's amazing that you were, you know, you took that opportunity yeah. to talk to the kids because it's relatable. Yeah. You know, when you, just you know this overbearing person comes into a gym and it's like, wow, you know, is it really believable? But you're more, you know, relatable yeah. and, and, and to, to the kids and, yeah. and, and being younger, too. Exactly. And being from Oxnard, being, mm-hmm. you know, I played in St. Bonaventure's gym. It's all it, it all relates, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So I want to get into the organic flea market that you and you can let me know the gentleman's name that you started with in 2021. Where did that idea and the resources to start a, a market come from? So it's my boy Dennis and my boy Spencer. Man, okay. shout out those two. We originally we were so me and uh, Matt Palmer. We I used to run a little like back in like 2016, 2017. We used to do this thing called Mercy Nights, and it was just like we would just gather like you know local artists, you know, and just kind of just have like a big bash at Bombay's, like just okay. a big old get together, and then it kind of died off. And uh, Palmer was cooking out of their kitchen. So I was helping Matt move some stuff in and then get situated. Yeah. And, I, and the owners recognized me. It was like, where do I know you from? And I was like, oh, I, oh, I used to do the Mercy Nights, but I had like short hair back then. <laughs> I was like a hundred pounds smaller. So he was like, oh man, I remember, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool, cool. He's like, man, well, whatever you guys like want to do, you guys like, you guys can utilize our spot. The space, like exactly. that, that back area back there, exactly. like the patio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, we're, we're closed on Thursdays. You guys could run whatever you guys want to run. So the next day we put together a little meeting with Dennis and we brought Spencer on like the next day. And uh, yeah, we just came with this idea to just like, at first we were like, oh, let's do like, a, maybe we could do like a, like a hookah night one night and then we could do like a stand-up comedy and then we could do like open mic and just, just we we're kind of just going to bounce around. To but bring people together. Then we were just like, oh, right, well, let's sit on this idea for a little bit and really think about like what we want to do with this space, you know, because it's an it's a opportunity to capitalize on. So we're like, well, we should use this space to, you know, give back to the community, like help mm-hmm. people grow their businesses like we're trying to do and like you know nice. that's the most tangible thing that's the thing that makes the most sense so that's kind of how it came to be yeah and i've been to the market a few times and and i've been to other markets as well but i get this sense of a different vibe and community with with the organic flea market how do you bring that experience to your vendors and your customers man you know i, I think it's just uh, us, I think, I think it's our nature, you know, us just being so about the Oxnard community, about our city and like, you know, so loving and, and, and appreciative of where we come from. You know, I think that hospitality kind of just like, you know, seeps out and it just, it, it, we yeah. just have this inviting nature, you know, and like yeah. we try to create, even when we first started the, the flea markets and we weren't even getting that much foot traffic, like we didn't even, the only thing we cared about was like making the experience good for the other vendors. We're like, well, man, how could we get more people out? Like, we don't care about no what amount of money's coming in. We don't care about what space is next, what bigger venue. We want to know how we can get more people to come to shop with our vendors. So that was like our, our topic of discussion on our whiteboard. You know, we was hitting that point every other day, every other week, just trying to capitalize on that and, and help bring this experience to help them, you know, build yeah. their brand, build their confidence and, you know, be successful. So and and how many vendors do you guys typically have at a market and how do you how does a vendor go about getting selected so it, it's all contingent upon like the space we're at so right now we're at bulldog liquidators and mm-hmm. that it's a, it's a large area so we're we're maxing out 
our last flea market, I think we had 53 vendors. Nice. 53, and then I think three food trucks. Wow. Or two food, two or three food trucks. So, and that's us, like, you know, as we're scaling, we're kind of learning, like, okay, well, we can squeeze people in tighter this way, fit like 10 more here, maybe get a food truck here, you just jam pack it. So, so you're still learning as you go. Yeah, still so, learning as we go. But as far as locking in with us and like how we go about it, it's locking in vendors. It's more so, it's like a first come, first serve basis more so. True. We do try to like, we try not to have like 10 of the same thing. Like we try to have diversity. So yeah. we'll go through and like kind of hand pick and like, and then we'll start like kind of spicing in, you know, doubles of, of certain vendors and stuff, but it's more so first come first serve, just so it's fair. Yeah. Like whoever gets there first and locks in and, and, and pays their for their spot, that's the ones we lock in. That's kind of how we go. We're not we're not selective or, you know, all are welcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And and how often are you guys throwing these or what's the goal to get to? Right now we're 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 running once a month and it kind of like keeps us like in control of a demand in a sense like we're not oversaturating it by having like three markets a month where it's like repetitive like the same people coming out or the same like vendors popping like and it's giving the vendors enough time to you know go back home get more product made or get stuff situated before they pop out again so it's like we feel like a month is like it's a good it's it's a a good balance it's a good balance yeah that's a good point you made because a lot of these small businesses they do get a lot of traffic at your markets and yeah. they sell out. I see signs all the time, sold out, sold out here. Mm-hmm. So they do need time to go make their product to then be able to come and meet the demand. Exactly. What's the, what's the big picture for the organic flea market? Like if you could have your ultimate venue, what does that look like to, Man, you, to we, you and your partners? We want to do like like Ventura Fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's large. It's existence then. Yeah, exactly, man. And that's something that we've been, you know, it's on the top of the list right now. So. We want to do like festival levels, the festival level flea markets, like just, you know, 200 plus vendors, you know, performances. Exactly. The whole shebang. So we just need to just continue to just, you know, push the envelope, keep scaling, keep growing, keep making connections. And I think it'll it'll come to pass, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, coming from the first market to where you guys are, you know, 53 vendors at Bulldogs, I think. Right. It's just the venue at this point. I think you have the following, you have the brand awareness. Like I said, I've been there myself. Every time I went there, I picked up a new vendor yeah. that I follow, that I, that I shop with, or that I order stuff for. Mm-hmm. For you know, like those cheesecakes is insane, man. man like, those cheesecake are dangerous. Oh man, yeah. yeah. But there's just a lot of it. You know, the jewelry, the you know, the other food. You know, you know, gourmet and Matt and them. It's just, it's just such a good environment. And I've been to other flea markets where it's just like dry and you're just kind of walking around and everyone's yeah. kind of making their loose. But there's this sense of community because like you said, it's Oxnard, it's, it's Camarillo, Ventura County. A lot of people that are vendors and or customers, they know each other. So you see, you're running into people, mm-hmm. you know, catching up with people and it's just, it's just a fun, it's a fun day. Yeah. What's next for yourself and and, and Mercy clothing besides that fire ass jacket that's supposed to come out? <laughs> Man, for me, it's just I was just talking to my partner today actually, and we're just locking in like keeping our like our our blanks, our our new cut and sew blanks, keeping those in in flux so that way we're not like hitting up our our manufacturer that's then processing them, getting them made, and then it's like a three-week turnaround. Yeah. We want to keep it in flow, like keep stock levels. Because we used to not operate with stock levels. We used to just, we still kind of operate on pre-sale basis, but we would never really have too much overhead. Like we would maybe have like 
five or six excess pieces, but now we're trying to like we're trying to scale in inventory. Exactly. So we want to start bulking up the inventory. So just just small little little steps like that. Like, well, I mean, we're, we're licensed. We're we got our LLC and all I, that good stuff. I heard you say something that caught my attention. I meant to ask you. You said that you patent your hoodie. Yeah. So you guys are patenting your cut and sew pieces, meaning other people can't duplicate it. Is that what they have understand I, a little bit? I mean, it, it's 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 patented in the sense of like it's 100% constructed to like our measurements and everything. It, it's not so much to where oh no one else can do it. I'm sure if they if they get our hoodie and you know they measure yeah. it out, of, of course, well, inch or so. Yeah, I get it. But, exactly. But I just found it interesting that you're patenting your your designs. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's protection for you. Oh, right? of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that too. So that's all stuff that that falls in line. You know, because there's been plenty of times when well it was h and m and and forever 21 they were literally they were still in our designs <laughs> literally and this was before we were like llc and licensed and all that good stuff but literally they had a whole section like mercy like mercy across the chest i even i remember one time <laughs> i even made this shirt and it, it said desperado and like i distressed the the print like i scraped off some of the yeah like the, the the paint yeah and so it looked gave you this like distressed vintage, vintage look yeah. they did the same thing they put desperado and they scraped it off. They like took like seven of our designs. And at that point, you didn't you there were not, you couldn't do anything, right? Because you were nothing. LLC, and so that was a, you get learning lesson, right? Exactly. So that's sometimes a business we have, we end up taking L's, right? right? But they're not really L's because you learn. You like, oh, I got to get my shit together. Yeah. I got to get this. I, I got to learn how to protect my design. Exactly. That's amazing. That's an amazing experience. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. It was it, it was shocking because I'm I'm like getting pictures from all kind of different people, like up in NorCal and all over the place. Like, hey, man, isn't it your isn't this your stuff? Like, I see you. I'm like, no, that's the no. That's so are they good. still doing it? Was the process to get them to say like, hey, man? Like, you know what? They stopped it like after like that year. I haven't seen it anymore. But it was like that. It was like a three four month stint where it was just it was all over the all place. Mercy man. Stuff. It was crazy, man. And does, does mercy? What does mercy stand for? It's it's French for thank you. Okay. So it's it's merci. That's the correct okay. pronunciation. We just Americanize it because it sounds a little cooler, a little grungier, a little more edgy. So yeah, mercy. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's that that's where it comes from. Nice, yeah. nice. So yeah, so thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. And tell the audience where they can find yourself, Mercy Clothing, and the organic flea market. So uh, you can find me personally on Instagram at B-A-D-M-O-N-D-L-O, Badmon D-L-O, Mercy, my clothing brand. It's Mercy Clo, M-E-R-C-I-C-L-O. And then the organic flea market, of course, it's organic.flea.market. When's the next market? The next market, we have one with the Bombay's next Thursday. And it's like a kind of like a smaller more, one. More it's, intimate. It's not, but that's like where we originated. So we always pop, we we'll always want to pay our dues and, you know, pop back in and run a little market there. So we got one on Thursday, next Thursday, the twenty, the twentieth or twenty third. Okay. And it's a six to ten, and then our next Bulldog Liquidators flea market is August nineteenth. August nineteenth. Yeah. All right, everybody, tap in with the organic flea market, Delon Frazier and and Mercy Clothing. Man, this is gonna be a wrap for episode seven of the Collab District podcast. Go share, like, subscribe on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time. <laughs>